Welcome to our Bible class for December 16 in Acts chapter 10. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. And in these videos, our purpose is to cover one chapter in each class from the book of Acts. And this time we are in chapter 10. I often begin with four fast facts. Up to this point, the gospel has been preached only to Jews. Acts 2.39 contemplated in prospect the Gentile audience. Peter said on Pentecost, the gospel is for all who are far off. The work of men like Paul and Philip continues while the events of chapter 10 take place. The conversion of Cornelius in chapter 10 has a follow-up narrative in chapter 11 and also in chapter 15. So here we are in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. This might be a good place for us to do just a little map work. So let's do that here. The gospel was proclaimed first in Jerusalem, and then out from there north into Samaria, then down into Ethiopia, then to Cyrene and Cyprus, but only to the Jews. So now as chapter 10 opens, we are introduced to a man at Caesarea. And he was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a military leader in the Roman army stationed at this harbor post Caesarea. He is approximately equivalent to a captain or company commander. He has command over 100 men. Most important about this man, he was a devout man. He feared God with all his household. He believed in God and was devout, a good man and good family. He was a Gentile, but as we will learn over in verse 22, he was respected by the Jews. I want us to observe that he was a praying man. Gentiles, while not a part of the Mosaic covenant, had sufficient evidence to believe in God and to know, basically, God has power and should be acknowledged. This man not only believed in God, he appealed to God in prayer. While so engaged, 
there was this clear vision, Luke reports, and the angel told him his prayers had been heard and someone was coming to see him. Cornelius sent some of his men to Joppa, and this indicates, of course, his interest. I'm going to continue now in Acts chapter 10 with verse 9 over through verse 33. Acts 10, 9 through 33. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came again to him a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guest. The next day he arose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Verse 30 in Acts 10. Cornelius said four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, 
a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So the stage is set in Caesarea, and now in Joppa, where Peter was staying, Peter falls into this trance, and he sees, he sees everything that would disgust the typical Jew. It was like a buffet of unclean food. And the voice says to him, rise, kill, and eat. I'm from Arkansas, where hunting is common. Same in Texas. You hunt and eat. Remember, this is Peter, who was raised a Jew under very strict rules about what could not be consumed. So this scene would disgust him. He said, surely not, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Then Peter hears clearly in language that could not be misunderstood what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, this is a significant statement that signals a turning point, a change. We immediately connect this with the God-ordained change from the old covenant for the Jews to the new covenant for both Jews and Gentiles. Simply stated, the idea is now under the new covenant, it is okay, this diet. Once forbidden, it is no longer forbidden. To get this into Peter's head, this happened three times. While Peter is still trying to come to grips with all this, the men sent by Cornelius show up. And the Spirit says to Peter, go with these men. The men who came for Peter explain, verse 22, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. So they all go to Caesarea. And when Cornelius and Peter finally meet, Cornelius isn't certain about all this, hasn't heard the gospel yet, he bows down to Peter. Peter says, get up, I'm a man just like you. There is an assembly of people there. Peter explains his reluctance about a Jew associating with a Gentile. There was, long before Peter was born, an entrenched separation between Jews and Gentiles. This is all new for Peter. It is a change for both men. Peter and Cornelius are two good men who stand at a critical time of change in God's dealings with men. Both men explain their situation. I imagine both men are anxious, uneasy. This didn't happen every day. Two more notes here before I continue in Acts 10. One, the word Peter used in verse 28 translated unlawful. 
in the English Standard Version is a word that describes a taboo because of Peter's background. These foods to him were taboo, forbidden. Then I wanted to share with you a quote from John Stott's commentary. Peter refused both to be treated by Cornelius as if he were a god and to treat Cornelius as if he were a dog. Both men at this point had good attitudes, though they were in a learning moment. And so this takes us to the sermon delivered by Peter, and that begins at verse 34. Are you with me there? Acts 10, 34 over through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You know, I've told you this before. I always look for a theme, a main idea when I read a passage. And when I read these sermons in the book of Acts, I'm looking for a theme, some, some sort of a propositional statement that holds everything else together. We know that wherever a sermon starts in the book of Acts, it will take the audience to Christ and him crucified, raised from the dead. We know that every alien sinner, Jew or Gentile, will be told the same thing to do to become a Christian. We talked about that in the last class. But the emphasis in these sermons will vary depending upon the particular audience and situation. The emphasis or theme here is God is no respecter of persons. As written in the English Standard Version, God shows no partiality. Mark that down as the theme here. God shows no partiality. The historic occasion made it necessary for there to be this emphasis. God shows no partiality. Verse 35 explains that truth. In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right 
is acceptable to him. Let me read that again. Listen for the emphasis. In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. See, God shows no partiality. Now, God had dealt directly with the Jewish nation from Moses unto Christ, but God had never abandoned other people. Now, at this moment in history, people from every nation could become united with God in the church alongside Jews who obeyed the gospel. Jesus came to be, verse 36 says, Lord of all. Lord of all. Peter and the other apostles were witnesses of and messengers of this. Sure enough, after saying that God shows no partiality, the truth about Jesus Christ is announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And Peter says about himself and the other apostles, we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, apostles, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, did you hear that? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, Jew or Gentile. In verse 43, that needs emphasis. Everyone, anyone, Jew or Gentile, can hear the gospel of Christ believe in him and be saved. Peter doesn't stop here and go into everything that is comprehended in initial believing and then in discipleship. His purpose is not to teach Cornelius and his family absolutely everything they need to know in one sentence or one ser sermon. The object is to invite them, to make certain they know they are invited. Though they're Gentiles, they are welcomed to become a part of God's family on the same basis as the Jews. And the next part of this is 44 down to 48. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now, that, that's interesting what we just read there. Because in these early days, while the apostles were still spreading the gospel, extraordinary things happened, which did not happen with every other conversion after this. So the angel visited Cornelius. The vision that Peter saw 
the Holy Spirit guided these men to me. Now the Holy Spirit stamps this very new event with the approval of God. Later, when questions arose about the acceptance of the Gentiles, Peter would refer back to this and remind people that the Holy Spirit fell on this group, confirming that they had God's approval. <clears throat> this was extraordinary. And there is no indication from Luke, the writer, or from Peter, the speaker, that everybody should seek this kind of display of the Spirit, what is consistent and uniform, those who heard the word and believed, confessing their faith in Christ, repented, and they were baptized. That's Acts chapter 10. One of the chief purposes of this narrative is to demonstrate that God had now welcomed believing, obedient Gentiles into his family on equal terms with believing, obeying Jews. Takeaways. We read this story and always think about how perfectly God dovetailed his working with Cornelius and Peter. Uh, this cannot be explained as coincidental. This is providential, involving direct visions to both men to bring them together. It speaks to God's power, but not just his power, his perfect love for souls. We need to hear and obey the gospel. While we do not expect such extraordinary measures today, I think we can always rest in the confidence of God getting the word where it needs to be, through us who are Christians. I've always loved the statement in verse 33, Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I preach a sermon about this, and I refer to this as the right pre-assembly attitude. It is the heart we need to have every time we assemble. In the Philippines and some other countries, it is customary to have a sign inside the building, sometimes mounted on the wall or on the pulpit, situated where everyone can see it a sign that might say something like, worship God in spirit and in truth, or we speak as the oracles of God. In a building I was in in 1981, there was a large conspicuous sign in the Philippines on the island of Palawan that had Acts 10.33 on it as a reminder to all who came into that place. We are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. This is just a perfect statement to get our minds where they should be about what we are to do when we come together around God's word. God shows no partiality. I uh, emphasized that a moment ago. He's not a respecter of persons. This is an important truth about God, about who God is. God's attitude toward people is not determined by any external criteria such as their appearance, race, nationality, education, or economic class. No, uh, the practicality of this, if God is not a respecter of persons, his people should not be respecters of persons. 
This is a powerful statement against hating people because of something about them over which they have no control. Racism is answered here. Social snobbery is answered here. Academic preference, all that be betrays behavior against what must be seen in God's people. I know you've been unable to avoid the news lately. And uh, sometimes in the news you see evidences of bigotry and racism. I want you to remember God shows no partiality. Then I want you to look at the statement, stand up, I too am a man. Sometimes a man in the religious world today, maybe the head of some empire, will stand up and want everybody to bow to him. And the videos and the optics on all the news feeds show people bowing down to this uh, highly placed religious leader. I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice. There's not only nothing about this in the New Testament, there are passages and contexts and narratives throughout the Bible against this whole concept of worshiping a man. Here, in what we've studied is a key statement. When someone bowed down to the apostle Peter, he quickly said, stand up. I too am a man. There is in Acts 10 a single message, not just a religious debate, a discussion, conversation, or a chat, but a message about Jesus Christ and what God sent him to do for our salvation. And that leads me to this about Cornelius. He received no special advantage because he was a Gentile. The Jews received no special advantage under the new covenant. All entered the new covenant the same way by responding to the same message, the gospel, and the conditions were the same for both. Hearing, confessing your belief, repenting, and being baptized. Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing, generous man, but those good deeds, those good deeds did not provide atonement or forgiveness. He had to repent and be baptized just like everybody else. Next time, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11, and that is scheduled for December the 20th. Thank you for being here with us. These are presented to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ.